Hi, and welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. I am so excited to welcome back to the show Dr. Katherine Vogelberg, um, and she's here today. We're we're going to talk about her nonprofit um, and the uh, Masomi Academy for Girls, which I'm going to let her um, tell us a, a lot more about. But um, uh, Catherine, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So you um, are in relatively early stages, um, but uh, of you know, developing and, and building a nonprofit. And, um, you know, like you said, you, you got it officially started, you, you were telling me back in 2018, but that's still early days. So um, why don't you, you know, tell me a little bit um, about what it is, and then we can get maybe into the history of where that came from and, and what your, your long-term goals are, what the plans are. Okay. So Masomi Academy for Girls is basically um, a nonprofit organization focused on trying to improve access to quality education for girls in Kenya right now. We'd eventually like to expand that if we can. Um, But as we were just kind of chatting a little bit before the show started, one of the best ways to improve economies and quality of life and, um, you know, infant mortality rates and things like that is to, to educate girls and women. Um, and so Kenya is still considered a developing nation and mm-hmm. in, in sub-Saharan Africa. So although they believe in university primary education, most of the girls who start school don't end up finishing school, which means going all the way through secondary school and graduating what we would call high school. Yeah. So um, we would like to provide that opportunity through building a brick and mortar school in a city that is considered rural. So we're focusing right now on QC Kenya, which is a rural farming community, mm-hmm. mostly because there's still quite a bit of female genital mutilation going on. And there's still some pretty strong cultural um habits that occur there. And that means that there's lots of work that's available to be done in that area, but they're also forward thinking enough to realize that, you know, some things need to change. We also would like to approach our curriculum from a um, sort of a place-based community-based and uh, applied sciences based curriculum. So we don't want our students to just come to learn calculus for calculus's (laughs) sake. We want our students to know things that are going to help them go back to their communities and build, you know, build stronger communities. So for instance, we want our uh, girls and other children that attend to have a harvest at the end of the harvest season that they can yeah. take back to communities and provide food for for families. And right. Like, like so it's not coming in and saying like, we're going to you know provide you with a Western education, a traditional, right. it's like, I imagine that you have to then work with a lot of the locals there to say, okay, what makes sense for this region and for the people here? Because you might have all these lofty goals, but if it's not accepted by, you know, the local communities, then you've done all this work for, for nothing. So how did you, how did you make some of those initial inroads? Um, so we were really lucky. Um, one of the f- initial team members, um, so there's a group of three of us that all went through our doctoral programs in education together, and we've kind of stayed really close. And we had this moment of just like, we, we were working in a research group about two or three years after we graduated. And I just was sort of frustrated. It was, it was around 2016, 2017, because I just remember being really frustrated with the political climate and everything that was going on. And um, I just sort of walked into our research meeting one day and said, I'm opening a school in Africa. Who's with me? <laughs> wow. So it was just um, kind of like you got the idea in your head one day you wanted to to do some, you know, do something different to make an impact. And um, yeah. Okay. And I had seen the need because I've, I've been fortunate enough to do some work in South Africa, which I think you and I have talked a little bit yeah. about. And then particularly in Uganda, which is, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, a very def- definitely a struggling nation. Um, but my two friends and colleagues were like, yeah, let's do it. And okay, so cool. I had this great team. Um, and then we had another colleague that we went to the program with who's done a, quite a bit of work in Kenya. Okay. 
over the last 20 years. And she um, had a really strong affiliation with a faith-based organization Mm -hmm. called HEART, which is Health Education Africa Resource Team. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've been working in Kenya with HIV AIDS positive women and their families for well over 20 years. And so she connected us with them. Um, And so with the ability to kind of, they have a lodge and they have safe travel and all those kinds of things. And so we were able to make our first trip actually in 2018 and and meet them and um, start building those relationships. And so that's how we've really started. Gotcha. Um, so that was the Kenya connection. And then, like yeah. you said, you know, eventually you hope to expand even from there, but you have to start somewhere, right? So, right. yeah, exactly. So, um, so you said, okay, I, I want to, I want to do some outreach. I want to try to make a difference. And, um, so you, you had some connections, which helps. Um, and so, you know, maybe some of those share some of like the, those first meetings when you went to Kenya and you were talking to local people and saying, Hey, we have this idea. Like, how was that? You know, did you have, did you meet a bunch of resistance or were people like, cool, sounds great or a mixed bag? You know, what, what kind of a reception did you get? So it was pretty warm, but I have to say that um, for anybody who's ever worked in those countries or even lived or visited those countries, there's, there's, there's sort of two very different versions of that country, right? Mm-hmm. So there's sort of the tourist, everybody's happy, everybody yeah. has a good life country. Mm-hmm. And then there's the real country, which is everybody doesn't really have a good life. It's quite poor. Um, it doesn't mean they're not happy. It just right. means they have a sort of different level of challenge that they have to deal with every yeah. day. So, and culturally, it's very difficult to sometimes make inroads into getting down to the real nuts and bolts of yeah. it because they don't want the Western world to think yeah. that they're bad people or that they're not mm-hmm. capable or, or something like that because there's all these sort of stereotypes. So, yep. we were fortunate that Hart is um, very well ensconced within the country, and they're very the, their entire fa- you know staff is 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 Kenyan. So that helps a lot. Yeah, um, and they the staff were really really welcoming, and they sort of helped us meet people that were also going to be welcoming. So we had a little bit of an easier time because they sort of paved nice. the road for us, which was amazing and continues to be a really important relationship for us. Um, but I, I think the the real breakthrough came for us when we were there in 2019 and we were talking to the Olden and Yoki Primary School head teacher. His name is Patrick. Um, and they're one of the schools that Hart has worked with and introduced mm-hmm. us. To, and we try to visit them every year. And he had... Um, that year, it was our second year, and it was um, he had arranged for us to speak not only with the students and work with the students, but also to speak with the faculty and then speak with their prefects, which is their student government, basically yep. their student leadership. And so we had this opportunity to kind of speak with all different uh, facets of the team. Um, and so that was really great. But particularly when we went and talked to the faculty and they were kind of questioning us about our motives and things yeah. like that. And I finally just looked at them and said, here's the thing. We don't want to open an American school. We want to open a Kenyan school. We just want to help you guys open a Kenyan yeah. school. We're not here to tell you how to do things yeah. or that we can do things better. We're just here to provide, provide support. Yeah. Cause I can imagine you get this, like the American savior complex, right? I imagine that they run into some of that all the time where, you know, people come over and look and, you know, their way of life is different. And like you said, they have different challenges, but they're not unhappy. They're not, you know, you know, necessarily some of them I'm sure are just like everywhere, but it's not like we need you to come and, and tell us how to live our lives. Um, but we have certain challenges and, and you can come help. And so I think th- that's sort of my imagination in that, in that scenario is to come in and be like, here, let us, let us tell you poor people how you should be right. doing things. Like you need to be really uh, cognizant of that, right? Because that would, 
I can imagine that would be rather offensive um, to have people come in and say, you're doing all this wrong. It's like, no, it's not that you're doing, it's like, we understand that you need resources um, to do the things you already want to do. I feel like anytime you go somewhere and they're like, we, we just, we know what we want to do. We just, we just need help doing it. Um, so uh, yeah, I can, I can totally imagine how that would be a very breakthrough moment. Like, no, 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 no. We're not coming in to fix everything for you. We're coming just to help. Tell us how we can help. That's awesome. Um, so I, so there was like a, a, a change in the, in the tone of everything after that kind of once they realize like, okay, you, you get that, you know, we're a different country and we have different priorities and different needs. Um, yeah, I think it was, you know, not overtly, but there was just sort of this subtle sort of collective side. It was like, okay, this isn't another group that's going to come and tell us we're doing everything wrong. They really want to help us. Um, and I think that was, you know, their interest in their conversation with us became a little deeper and a little more genuine. Um, and part of that was also because they see the way that we interact with their students. They see that we remember them. We remember their students. Yeah. Um, the students are just so precious because they'll come up to us and they'll be like, hey, what's my name? What's my name? And, oh. oh, I remember you. You're Juliet. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you remember my name. Aww. You know, because um, that's such a universal thing. Of, People love it yeah. when you remember someone's name. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so you know, cute. part of it is so I don't know if you I, I can't remember in South Africa if they use the term Mzungu. I think they do. But the, the foreigner. Yeah. Mzungu. Probably um, in one of the 11 national languages of South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, but they're used to having Mzungus who come through and just see them one time and they take yeah. pictures, but they don't really yeah. share those pictures. They don't really remember them. And so yeah. having a whole team of people that come back and remember their names and yeah. have conversations and say, oh yeah, I remember you did this. Or, oh, I remember Sarah, you were the one who told us we would never forget you because we gave you a mosquito net and you were so excited about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Really, you know, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I think part of it too is, so many of the, um, particularly the girls over there, they wear their hair really, really short. And mm-hmm. a lot of that, is just, they don't have access to clean water. It's just, yeah. you know, sanitary. Easier. Yeah. Um, but I think that they sort of suffer from something that I've suffered from my whole life, which is, oh, you're Asian. Everybody looks the same when you're Asian. They, you know, they suffer from that same thing yeah. because they all have these beautiful faces, but they have short hair and they're not, they don't have the same types of distinguishing features yeah, the that, feet, yeah. people that, you know, potentially Americans and particularly white people think they have. And so I think they're even more flattered when, you know, Mazungus or technically it's a white person, but it's really yeah. import comes yeah. over and recognizes them. So Yeah. That's so funny. There's actually some, I don't know, not to get off too off topic, but there's really um, interesting stuff about the ability to distinguish between um, features and cultures that are different from your own reading about implicit bias. Like it's not unique to white people that they'll, they'll like all cultures do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you start, you know, out of necessity sort of, um, kind of ignoring distinguishing features that are different from what you're surrounded by when you're young. It's kind of weird. Anyway, um, that's a whole nother show, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, it is, it, it, it can be a really, um, yeah, I can imagine how disheartening that would be, um, you know, for, especially for, you know, children, young girls, um, you know, to have all these people come through and like you said, taking pictures with them, like, I don't know, um, like, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure what the right word is, but like you're some sort of, um, souvenir. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a strange thing. Um, but yeah, like taking pictures is a normal thing for us to do and then come back and like, remember, yes, we have, these are memories I'm, I'm capturing here. Um, and you are, you are people and, and we remember you and, and um, forming some, you know, some type of a bond, even though if it's only once a year, like that's even yeah. really, you know, I can imagine that makes a big impact because that could be a big thing on their end. Um, but if you don't come back and show that this was, this was just as a, a big a deal for you, um, 
So you've had a chance to go back a few times and, and build some relationships and, um, and sort of lay the groundwork, maybe not the literal groundwork yet, um, but getting things in place with the ultimate goal of like, as you said, building a brick and mortar school. Um, but that's going to take, and I imagine 2020 made everything that much harder, um, uh, traveling, not on the table so much. And so what impact has that had on kind of the progress for things for you guys? not being able to physically go there and, and other impacts. Yeah. So that's been really hard because um, Kenyans and a lot of folks in sub-Saharan African countries are very relationship oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really want to build that personal relationship and it's there. It's a, it's a very um, it's a bit more formal in some ways, but a lot more laid back in other ways. So, you know, I'm getting ready to hopefully take some vet students over there to do an international public health rotation this summer. And one of the things I have to talk to them about is just culturally, it doesn't matter if you're there for two days or for two years, you're going to wake up every morning, you're going to see the same people and you're going to go through the same routine, which is good morning, Isaac, how are you? How's your family? Did you sleep well? And then you're going to start having conversations about the day, which is not what most Americans do. Most Americans are just like, all right, here's what we got to do for today. Blah, blah, blah. blah, Yeah. You're lucky if you get a good morning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, But then at the same time, you know, there's what we call the Africa standard time, right? So if you say you're going to start something at nine o'clock, be prepared to start at eight 45 or nine 30 or maybe 10 kind of depending on where people are. So (laughs) one of my Um, favorite things, okay. I have to share with you when I was in South Africa, I, it took me a while to learn um, the different meanings of now. Um, So I'll take care of that just now means when I feel like it. (laughs) That's not what I would take just now to mean. And then there's um, now, now is like now that's right now. And I was like, oh, I'll do that now, now. Um, But just now for the longest time, people would say, oh, I'll get to that just now. And I'm thinking they're going to do it. (laughs) That is not what they meant. So anyway, um, you just, when you said that Africa time, yeah, it, it, I mean, I think all cultures have their different things and how they communicate that. But um, yeah, you do have to kind of, and then it's like, okay, now it's tea time. I was like, tea time? Yeah. I love tea time. <laughs> we need to make that a thing here. But um, but yeah, learning the different, you know, cultures and customs. And I actually really like that, that before you actually get started into your day, like, you know what? No, have have a conversation, like actually get to the point where you genuinely are asking how the other person is doing. Um, yeah. um, it's an interesting, yeah, it, it seems like kind of a lovely, a lovely way to start the day. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's been a challenge and, you know, we've uh, been there a couple of times and we had started building some pretty strong relationships, not only with the heart team, but also with the schools and things like that. And, um, you know, they don't have great access to electricity all the time. So Mm -hmm. their Wi-Fi access is intermittent. They all have mobile phones. So it's sort of strange. You'll be out in the middle of rural Africa and you'll see a Maasai warrior in his full dress with a mobile phone, which is very anachronistic, but, um, but they just, you know, so, so communicating with them by text, we use WhatsApp and things like that, but it's still a challenge. Yeah. So yeah, 2020 was tough and it really kind of forced us to think about, well, you know, what are, what can we do and how can we get to where we want to go and still really start making an impact? Cause we knew yeah. going into this, that it might not be 10 years. It might take right. us 10 years before we actually got the book more school. Um, but in the meantime, we still wanted to make, you know, a positive impact. And we love partnering with heart. They're a faith-based organization and we're not. And so mm-hmm. we have to make that distinction and it, it's, it's fine, but we also want to make sure that we're not so fully dependent on them that we can't right. sort of function, you know, as our own organization. And um, we were hoping to sort of start building some of those relationships outside of that as well. So 2020 has been tough. Um, I think more than anything emotionally for us, because we yeah. miss, um, we miss the relationships that we've established. We miss the faces. We miss yeah. the women, girls, um, the teachers, the students that we've had the opportunity to really kind of get to know and talk to. 
Um, and that's going to be all very different when we go back next year because yeah. you know, it'll have been two years instead of a year. Yeah. So that's really tough. But we 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 also have faced the challenge of fundraising, which is always an organizational challenge, no matter yeah. how big or small you are. Um, and so one of the things we also wanted to do was figure out a way that we could make an impact without having to spend, you know, the hundred thousand dollars that it might take us to get our brick and mortar school in place. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we, we were just sort of having a chat one day and I was basically like, well, maybe we need to think about this differently. Maybe we need to start taking education to people rather than making people come to education. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Um, we have food delivered to us, you know, we have our internet that can deliver movies. We can do everything in our yeah. home, but we still expect everybody to go to a brick and mortar building every day. And now obviously COVID has changed that. And we yeah. realize that you don't have to be in a yeah. brick and mortar building. Um, but we have that again, the added, um, challenge of not these rural students aren't, they don't even have indoor plumbing. Much right. The infrastructure makes it a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we basically came up with, we initially called it traveling teachers because mm -hmm. we were like, oh, if we just make a team of two Kenyan teachers and we give them a couple of bicycles and some school supplies, they can, we can find a rural village that doesn't have access to a brick and mortar school. They can go and um, they can deliver some informal education to, to the kids and the adults and then move on to the next village um, and sort of had a conversation and as that morphed into something more concrete, we came up with the idea of basically Masomi and the Kijiji, which basically says um, scholar in the village in Swahili, um, and formalize the, the presentation to our board to see if they'd be willing to uh, approve a new initiative that we'd like to launch in January of 2022. So we have a year to sort of plan and fundraise. Um, but this is one of those things where it's going to cost us less than $10,000 to stand up the first team. Um, and that includes everything from uh, outfitting them, the, both the teachers with a motorcycle or what's known oh, as cool. a boda boda in the country, um, giving them a salary for an entire year, um, funding 25 backpacks full of school supplies for the children that they're going to be teaching, giving them a tent so that they have a sort of temporary structure, at least to provide them some shade or some shelter if the weather is bad. Um, and just getting them out there into a village um, to have some conversations and start the process of of learning in places that don't have access to that. Yeah. So do you have the teachers already? Do you know who those are going to be yet? Or, you know, some yeah. of your current teachers, you're just, that's part of the next year. Yeah. So that's part of the next year. We had to, we just got this um, initiative approved through the board. So we're in the process of figuring out our next steps, but we're going to have to obviously do the fundraising, but also, yeah. also do the advertising, kind of talk with the Ministry of Education. We've got our contact on the ground. We've actually got to appoint our Kenyan board. So okay. um, we're in the process of getting our Kenyan board uh, appointed. But one of those folks is somebody who works with Heart and has been a really good ally for us as well. Gotcha. Um, and so he is potentially, he's putting out some feelers to some of the Maasai villages in the area to see if any of them might be interested in, you know, sort of having us come and chat with them a little bit and um, talk to them about the the possibility of having teachers come through. So that's what this year is for, um, mm -hmm. is to kind of get things set up and see over next 2021, if we can get the funds and then figure out how we're going to hire our teachers, interview them and all those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really excited about it though. We yeah. think it's, um, we, the thing about it is that it's, it's not in place of school, right? right? So it's just yeah. to sort of get people excited about what school can do for you, what education can do yeah. for you. But it's also, it's super scalable. I mean, this yeah. is something that you can do in Kenya all over the country. Yeah. You could expand it to other countries. You could expand it to the United States. I mean, there are certain yeah. areas in the U.S. that could use something like this. So yeah. we're, we're excited about the idea. 
So, um, yeah, it, it is really, and I like the idea, like you said, everything else gets delivered to you. Why not education as well? Um, so is the idea then that like these teachers would have like a route, um, you know, where they, they come, like Mondays are in this village Tuesday, or is it like they're going to go and talk to these people like once, like what, what kind of repetition are you expecting? Because I can imagine if they come by once and then never come back, then you sort of lose any momentum you might've had, um, but in order to get, you know, the most um, kind of coverage, you know, you, you don't want to spread them too thin, but trying to find, you know, the right amount. Um, you know, you're talking rural communities, but like if you can spark that curiosity and that desire for like, I have more questions, I want to learn more. Um, so have you guys, is that still part of the next year? Or have you given any thought to like how many individual, you know, villages might they visit or what, what, what are you picturing for that? Yeah, so 2021 is our pilot year, and we have a couple of thoughts about that. So mm -hmm. the Kenyan school year runs in three-month blocks. So they start in January. They go January, February, March. They take April off. They go May, June, July. They take August off, and they go September, October, November, and they take December off, which uh -huh. I think is fantastic. Yeah, that's that. pretty cool setup, actually. Yeah, I, I think that would be much easier. Um, so our plan was to have... Um, no more than three villages for the first year okay. because our, our teachers would basically be embedded in a village for three months. Okay. So, I see. Yeah. So they would go in January, they would stay in that village or work in that village for three months. Okay. Um, now if they had to, had a really long commute and were unable to go back and forth on a daily basis, then we would probably, um, we budgeted in a stipend for a host family within the village gotcha. so that they would get paid a small amount, whether it's food or, you know, yeah. shilling or whatever to host that that team of teachers for the three month duration. Gotcha. Um, so that's the plan there. We wouldn't have more than three villages the first year. Um, and then obviously the teachers would have that month off in between to, yeah. you know, go back to their families or whatever. Um, and then the design is, is very much place-based and community-based. So mm -hmm. there's, we've designed it so that the teachers, we hope to have one fairly seasoned teacher who's mm -hmm. pretty experienced. And then we hope to have one teacher that's maybe a little bit more novice or interested in learning different ways of teaching to, to pair them up. Um, and we're also planning to have two different sessions that the teachers would offer. So in okay. the morning session, which would be three, two or three hours, basically would be focused on the younger children mm -hmm. and providing them sort of those basic literacy, literacy skills. Got it. So in Kenya, most children grow up, um, in, from the time they're young, learning their mother tongue. There are 42 ethnic groups in Kenya. They all have unique languages, yep. which are not dialects. They're actually distinct languages. Yep. Um, when they start school, they start learning Swahili, which is one of the two national languages of Kenya. And then by fourth grade, they are starting to learn English and being taught fully in English if they're in the school system. So those early um, morning, those morning sessions are really to try to get those kids to start learning Swahili, mm -hmm. potentially start learning some English, but also get those basic literacy of, you know, numbers, yeah. letters, um, colors, all those types of things. Um, and then offer an evening session for the older kids, teenagers, and adults who are maybe more productive in terms of, you know, providing for the community or for their families. They may have goats or they may have cattle or chickens, yeah. um, or they may be interested in putting in a well or figuring out how they can better, you know, manage their water supplies. And so, the evening session would be open for those folks and it's going to be entirely driven by the community. The community is going to go and they're going to say, this is what we really want to do. This is what we really need. How can you help us learn the skills or acquire the supplies that we need to, to accomplish? Gotcha. So it's very much a team effort and it's very much driven by the community in which this, the teachers would be working. So then would you, uh, you know, figure out what each community is looking for, particularly for the adult or the, you know, the older learners and then find a teacher who is appropriate for that or then train the teachers? Like, I guess I'm, I'm you know, 
none of us are experts in everything. So, you know, depending on what their needs are, um, you may or may not have a, a good fit, you know, teacher for that. What, what are your guys' thoughts on how to sort that out? Yeah. So I think ahead of time, what we need to do is make sure that when we interview our teachers, they have a pretty broad yeah. depth of understanding and knowledge. And that's part of the reason we want one of those really experienced teachers to come yeah. in. Um, there is always the possibility that the teachers aren't going to feel comfortable hundred percent with what the village is asking, but they're going to have to come to a, I think they're going to have to come to a sort of a, an agreement yeah. about what is their priority and what the teachers can and can't do. So if there's yeah. something that the village really prioritizes and the teacher's just like, I just don't know if I can do that, but yeah. I can do this. Yeah. Can we do that. So yeah. it's going to be a negotiation. Sure. Sure. Gotcha. So, you know, I mean, it's usually like, here's a list of things that, you know, are important to us. And like here, this is something that I feel really comfortable in and we can, we can do a really good job with. And um, so, but you're, you're thinking you'll have the instructors, the teachers kind of figured out in advance. Yeah. Yeah. And so are, you know, when you have that many different languages and cultures and things like that, you're, my guess is that you're not necessarily, you're not going to have a local teacher in most of these situations, like somebody who's from that local area. They might be from Kenya, um, but not necessarily from that. And that, and that, I mean, are there potential, you know, hurdles with that? Um, You know, what is the interaction in Kenya that that you're aware of between, you know, some of those, um, those different cultures and, and do you foresee that being an issue at all? Yeah, absolutely. So our priority is going to be, so for instance, if we decided ultimately to go into Maasai villages the first year is to have Maasai teachers, people who speak the language, who have some training or interest. Um, So the Kenyan government had until recently appointed teachers in their home ethnic areas after they had graduated because they wanted to make sure that the communication was available and that those communities would accept those teachers. Um, And then they had sort of a push for diversity and they decided that they were going to transfer teachers out of their home communities into new communities. And they also thought that they might have better attendance and um, teacher commitment to their jobs. So there's a little bit of, you know, sometimes the teachers would show up to the community and be like, well, I don't really feel well today, so I'm just going to go home. And they wouldn't actually show up and do the work because they oh, were in their communities and they knew those community members would cover for them. Yeah. So in an attempt to manage a couple of different issues, they decided to transfer stu- teachers out. And they've struggled with that because yeah. just like you said, the languages are, you know, are different um, and the community members are a little bit distrustful of folks coming in. So, you know, there are some challenges. We really want to make sure that we select at least one teacher, preferably both of those teachers would be from the, the ethnic group that we're planning to go into. Um, but if, you know, if push comes to shove, we'll have to, we'll have to yeah. figure something out. So we don't, yeah. we don't know exactly how it's going to work, but that's our priority is to find something. It's always an interesting kind of dichotomy and challenge, right? Like the, the need and the want for diversity, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is so important to get different perspectives, but like at the beginning of a program like this, like we just need people on board first, or, I mean, you can imagine if you had just the right person, right. You know, the right people. Um, but that's a lot, that's a big ask, right. To go in and be like, okay, I need you to convince a, you know, a whole community of people who are going to be distrustful of you and aren't even going to be sure they want you here. And I want you to convince them that this is like, that's just, that's a lot. And then also teach them and be good at that. Like, um, so it is an interesting, you know, balance because, you, you do want to promote that diversity and, you know, getting outside of your own, you know, norms and things like that, but doing it in a way that is not so uncomfortable to the point that people are just going to reject it completely. It's, it's, it's a challenge, but yeah, like at the beginning of something, it's maybe isn't the time to challenge people quite that much. Like this, just having this is a bit of a challenge. So take it one step at a time and think about that for down the road. Once it, once that becomes a normal thing, right? Like that, you know, um, 
Like once you get to the point where education is expected and demanded, then then we can work on some of those other things. Um, but wouldn't that be great, right? To get to the point where it's expected and demanded, like every everybody in this village is going to get this education. Like that is normal and that it would be weird not to have that. That would be amazing. Yeah. And that's what we're hoping. You know, we have a we have a, a sort of moderately fleshed out assessment plan in place. And one of the things that we're going to look at is, you know, are they asking for us to come back? Are we... Yeah having other villages come to us and say, Hey, yeah. we'd like you to come do this with us or, and maybe even potentially are they beginning then to put pressure on the Kenyan government to build a school in their area? Hey, we're yeah. going to collect our, our villages together. We really want a school. How, you yeah. know, how can we accomplish this? So, and again, that's probably a down the road a little bit, yeah. but those are definitely some things we're looking at. And in, in terms of the diversity, it's really interesting because I think people maybe Eurocentric or Western centric you know, people are like, oh, this diversity thing, it's so hard. And it's, you know, something that it's unique to us. And again, it's, it's totally not right. Like <laughs> diversity is an issue, no matter where you go. Yeah, exactly. or you know, what And it can like mean or... so many different things. Exactly. It's yeah. not just, it's not just about race or, or, or skin color. It's so many different things. And, yeah. um, but yeah, it does, it does play a role. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, this just sounds really exciting. Um, you know, just a really fun thing. Curious what your impression has been. What are the biggest barriers um, that you perceive, you know, as as preventing this from, you know, taking off? Is it is it going to be primarily financial? Is it going to be local acceptance? Like, you know, are you going to run into red tape with the government? Like, what are the big barriers that you anticipate? Yeah, so um, some of it is going to be sort of navigating a relationship with the Ministry of Education and Mm -hmm. helping them understand that we're not there to step on their toes or take over or try to usurp anything, that we're really just there to try to help actually strengthen their system and and build a, you know, a stronger base of folks who are interested in in attending school. Um, So part of it is going to be sort of managing that. I I don't think that's going to be a huge barrier, but it's certainly something we have to consider. Um, You know, the other aspect is sort of navigating the legal Mm -hmm. requirements of Kenya. So I'm in the process of trying to figure out, you know, what kind of insurance do we have to have? Are we required to have insurance if we're going to give them motorcycles, which are inherently dangerous, but are a very common way of transportation around there? Who's liable if the teacher gets injured while he or she is riding to a village? Um, Or if something happens, what what happens if one of the women is raped in that village or something like that? So those are things that we have to consider as well. So those are going to be things that we have to be really diligent and careful about. And you can't obviously anticipate every issue, but you can at least try to plan for what you plan for. Um, I don't anticipate the relationships being a huge issue. I do think that'll, you know, I mean, as in any kind of new relationship, you have to be careful and, and um, kind and sort of feel each other out. But because we've built such strong relationships with the folks on the ground already, I think that's going to be a little bit easier than maybe it would be if we were just coming in saying, Hey, we're going to do this. new." Yeah. You're not rushing it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, And, you know, financially, I would have said that was one of our bigger hurdles, but honestly, with the efficiency of the cost that we projected, I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue. Um, you know, if push comes to shove, then, you know, John and I will probably just say, Hey, here's the extra thousand dollars or 2000 we need to kind of yeah. put this over the top. So that, that, which is one of the nicer things because for the brick and mortar yeah. school finances was really the biggest hurdle right. for us. And so it's kind of nice to not have to worry about that. Um, but then I think really the biggest challenge is just how are we going to manage and maintain those relationships? So, yeah. uh, you know, having to kind of navigate I don't know that this is something we're going to be able to do by visiting once a year, right. you know, and right. 
obviously the team can't maybe go more than once a year, but certainly potentially I and my husband or I and one of the other um, women on the team could go, you know, two or three times a year. Um, But I, I think that's all really doable. And I think that's all something within that first two or three cycles of getting this up and running that we'll have ironed out well enough that we'll feel really comfortable with, you know, with continuing the process. If it seems like it's, it's effective and it's doing what we want to do. So on that note, um, you'd kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but you know, how are you going to know if it's working? You kind of mentioned are you know, other villages asking for help. Are they saying, Hey, when are you coming back? Is that, are those kind of the the metrics or do you have specific things that you're planning, um, to kind of measure at this point or mostly just the feedback you get from, um, the folks that you're, you're reaching out to? Yeah. So mostly feedback from the folks you're reaching out to feedback from the teachers Mm -hmm. that are actually on the ground. So having uh, periodic conversations with them. And that's also why it's so important for us to get our Kenyan board in place so that they have points of contact in the country if the teachers have issues. Um, And then also we're hoping to do, you know, some sort of, um, you know, it's really tricky because you don't want to call it research, even though it's research because it's really program assessment, which doesn't require IRBs, you know, I mean, that whole like (laughs) gray area. but also, you know, potentially doing some on the ground interviews with the teachers on the ground mm-hmm. interviews with the, um, the participants. And then also we're, we've got some ideas about potentially partnering with universities that have teacher education programs to do some internships, um, working potentially within the villages to see if there are older children or adults who are interested in becoming teachers yeah. so that they can partner with our teams and maybe follow them around and get an idea if that's something they'd like to do that might inspire them yeah. to go into education. Um, so I think, you know, there are some pretty, pretty solid metrics in terms of okay, how many people are we reaching? How many people are regularly coming to our programs? Mm-hmm. Um, how many people are asking for us to come back or by word of mouth telling other people, hey, you should ask for this, you know, potential team of teachers to come out and help you. Um, then also what kinds of projects actually get accomplished within those villages, right? Yeah. So did they say they wanted to build a water well and they ended up with a water well, did yeah. they, or they at least had the knowledge to build a water well, um, did they say they wanted to build a semi-permanent structure that they could use for shelter if they needed it? And then they accomplished that. Um, did their harvest output increase? Did their, you know, production of milk increase? Did their production of meat increase? Those yeah. types of things I think are potentially good. Yeah. Um, so, and then there's sort of those softer things like, yeah. was this something that you think is helpful? Is this something that yeah. you would recommend to other people? Um, so that's kind of how we're looking at assessing yeah. it. I just love the idea of like either some of the young kids or even some of the older kids or adults looking at that and being like, I want to be a teacher. Like the, I, I just, the, I love that the idea that they could look at that and be like, that's the thing I want to do. I want to go and, and spread knowledge and, and, um, and help other. Yeah. I, that, I think that'd be really cool. Again, one of those, maybe not as tangible or obvious, but, um, something that can have a real impact over time. Um, well, this all sounds very exciting. So what, um, are the next steps for you? So next steps are, I'm in the process, like I said, of trying to figure out the insurance situation, making mm-hmm. sure that, you know, what the liability and legal aspect of it is, um, and then working to identify the villages that we might potentially begin the work in, in 2022. So I'm in contact with my, um, person, Jared in the area, and he's going to be working for villages that might be open to that, that he has relationships with people already. Um, and then fingers crossed that we get to go this summer, having some meetings with those folks in those villages and seeing which ones are really open to the idea of it and beginning the process of recruiting and hiring, interviewing teachers in Kenya so that we can get that team in place before we, you know, and then equipping them with all the um, equipment and information before we 
we actually deploy them in January of 2022. Very so. cool. Now you, you mentioned um, before we started recording that you started out with about eight volunteers and you're up to about 16. Um, so you're, you're a growing program. Um, if there's somebody out there listening, who's like, Hey, I, you know, I want to help. I want to get involved. Um, can you share, you know, ways for people to reach out or um, if they wanted to donate, what are, what are some mechanisms for people to, um, to support your program? Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow us on Instagram. It's Masomi Academy. And then you can follow us on LinkedIn. We have a page there as well. Um, we have a website, which is masomiacademy.org. So you can go to that and you can kind of, there's a blog there. There's a donate site there. There's also just sort of information about us and a timeline about the things that we're doing. I haven't yet posted about Masomi and the Kijiji, but we'll be getting there. Um, <laughs> oh, good. So it's, it's breaking then, news here. You yeah, yeah, exactly. First. <laughs> you got the scoop. That's right. Um, and then, um, you know, they can always reach out directly to me. So the it's on the webpage, but you can just info at masomiacademy.org will come dr- straight to me and I, I answer every email because awesome. that's my job, part of my job. I'm <laughs> well, happy we, to do it. That's right. Well, we will put all of that up. Um, what's that? Oh, he wants to know how to spell that. Which part oh, of it? Oh, it's M-S-O-M-I Academy. Yeah. You can spell it. If you don't know Academy, you can look that one up. Um, so yeah, so M S O M I for all of those things that you mentioned, both on Instagram, the email, all that good stuff. But yeah, we'll also put it up on, um, when we post this episode so people can access it, um, easily, but, um, well, this is really exciting. I I mean, I, am just, I'm really impressed that you just kind of started with like a one day, like, dang it, I want to make, I want to make something happen. I want to do something good in the world. And, um, I think a lot of people have that and don't necessarily follow through. So I'm super impressed with the follow through and it sounds like you've got a good, uh, a team of people supporting you, your husband, some of your colleagues and friends. Um, and so really excited to hear. And I, I hope we'll be able to talk about this more um, in you know the next year. And then even afterwards, when things are happening, you got people on the ground. Um, I would love to, to hear more about it. So thank you so much um, for coming on to share this with us. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you for having me. And again, if you have any interest, please reach out to me. We are always looking for good people to join our team. So. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much.